And uh, this is his last night, so let's give him an extra special welcome, shall we? Hey everybody, how are you doing tonight? Can we give Jesus a big clap offering? The name that is above every other name. King of kings, Lord of lords, at the mention of his name, mountains bow down, demons tremble, sickness bow down, and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and everybody say it. Amen. Amen, amen. So good to be here tonight. Thank you so much. Pastor Mark and Kathy and the entire church here at BCC. I have had an amazing time. I love this church and I love what God is doing here. And I really believe 2019 is going to be a significant year for you as a family, as a church. So let me tell you, I'm fired up, I'm fired up about the year 2019. I'm, I'm just excited about the opportunities that is in front of us. I thank God for everything that, is, that He's going to do in my life, in your life, in Birmingham City Church, in my church, at Elam UK, Elam New Zealand. But can I tell you one more thing? There will be many moments where we will find ourselves in transit. And it is important for us to know how to respond to these intransit moments in our life. Elisha's life teaches us how you and I can experience the miraculous because the Christian life is supposed to be miraculous. Let me tell you, God has not put us on this planet to eat potato chirps and watch Coronation Street or if you're in New Zealand, watch Shortland Street and, 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 and die. Let me tell you, there's more to life than that. God has put you and me on this planet for a reason. If you're breathing and you're alive, let me tell you, you have an assignment from God. You are not finished yet. God has not put us on this planet to live a dull, boring business as usual kind of life. No, you were created for a purpose. Can I get an amen if you believe that tonight we were created for the miraculous life but here is here is where it gets tricky often we don't live the miraculous life because we don't really understand what miracles are or they or, or we don't really believe in miracles I remember talking to a lady on the flight and and she said to me you know what do you do for a job and I told her I was a pastor and as soon as I told her I was a pastor her, her immediate response was like oh I don't believe in those miracle stuff she, she said to me I think it's all just you know man-made gimmicks it's all just a man-made trick I, I'm not into those miracles miracles stuff I don't believe in those things tonight before we go any further let me explain to you what exactly miracles are according to the dictionary a miracle is an extraordinary event that is not explainable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore attributed to a divine agency. A miracle is an event which the forces of nature, including the natural powers of man, cannot of themselves produce and which must therefore be referred to a supernatural agency. What this dictionary is basically saying is that miracles are only possible through the supernatural power of the Almighty God. Amen. Can I tell you, no pastor can do a miracle. No church leader can do a miracle. 
But let me tell you, miracles are only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is only possible through the power, through the supernatural power of God. Let me tell you, the Bible is full of stories of people experiencing miracles. For example, God split the Red Sea so Moses and the children of Israel could cross over to the other side. A little boy gave his lunch. All he had was, was two fish and some bread and he gave it to God. He placed it in the hands of an almighty God. And let me tell you, 5,000 people. In fact, if you include the children and women, over 20,000 people that day maybe were, were, were fed. That was a miracle. Joshua, I talked about this on Sunday. He was in the middle of a, of a battle. The sun was about to go down and he cried out to God, God, make the sun stand still. Man, God made the sun stand still. That was a miracle. These are pretty impressive miracles, but let me tell you, Sometimes we read these stories and we think to ourselves, miracles are something that happened in the Bible days. And we think that is something that happened long time ago. And we forget that God is still doing miracles. God is still alive. God is still active. Let me tell you, when Jesus said, it is finished. He didn't say he is finished. Why? Because he's still alive. He's still saving people. He is still healing people. He is still setting free. Let me tell you the fact that we are here tonight. It is a miracle. It is only possible through the power of supernatural power of the Almighty God. Do you believe in miracles? Oh, that was like 10% response. Yeah, yeah. Do you believe in miracles? Can I tell you, when God changes a person's heart and brings them into a relationship with the Son, Jesus, let me tell you, that is a miracle. I love it when I, when I watch people get baptized, when people say, I have decided to follow Jesus. And, and, then, and then we baptize them and when they come out and, and you can just see the transformation in a person's life. I love that. Let me tell you, that is a miracle. That is a miracle. Maybe your marriage was heading towards a disaster or your family was going through a difficult time. In, in the natural, everything was looking hopeless. Then all of a sudden, God shows up and He turns things around. The relationship is restored. God renews your marriage. Let me tell you, that is a miracle. Psalm 86 verse 10. For you are great and do great miracles. You alone are God. We serve a miracle working God. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, Lord, I'm, I'm waiting for my miracle. Let me tell you, you are in your in-transit moment. You're in that in-transit phase. My wife, when she was 24 years old, she was told by doctors that she will never have a baby. No 24-year-old girl wants to hear that. She was told she will never have a baby. We will ne she will never conceive. And, and you know, as a young couple, we were devastated. The doctors told us she will, that we will never conceive. We were praying and we were praying and we were believing. Let me tell you, when you're praying and when you're believing for, 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 for a child, when you're a pastor, you've got to do baby dedications. And oh, let me tell you, that was a tough time for us. You know, you were praying for people's, other people's children and you dedicated them to the Lord. And here you are believing for a baby. And, and medically, they told her she will never have children. But let me tell you, we serve an almighty God. Yes. One Saturday, I, you know, I was like having a conversation with God. And I said to God, God, I think I'm really bored. I need a project. I need to do something. I'm getting a little bit bored. 
And, and out of nowhere, my, my wife comes out to me and she goes to me, guess what? I'm pregnant. I was like, what? I was like, you know, can, can you just break it out? You know, like, you know, can you explain to me? And she goes, I'm pregnant. What else do you need to know? She's like, we're having a baby. Let me tell you, I, I went into shock and this is what I did. I, I just got up and I cleaned the entire house. I don't know why I did that. I vacuumed the house. I cleaned the toilets. I cleaned the cr- uh, kitchen. These days, if I don't do housework, my wife's like, I'm pregnant. I'm like, yep, okay, I'll do it. But anyway, now she is pregnant. But, um, but so when we went and saw the doctors, they said to us, that it was a high, high-risk pregnancy. And uh, so the first 12 weeks, my wife, you know, she, she had very bad morning sickness. And so we didn't tell anyone in the church. It was interesting. My wife couldn't come to church. She's, the, she's our main worship leader. And, and here I'm at church, and she's not at church for 12 weeks. I don't say anything. I come on, come on the stage, and, you know, I'm carrying on like life is normal. And the whole church is like, Ooh, where is the pastor's wife? Oh, I wonder what's happening. Oh, all right. People would come to me and they're like, is Sharon all right? I'm like, oh, she's all right. But I couldn't say anything. And so one lady, she even sent Sharon some flowers and, and a card saying, we love you and praying for you. And, uh, but no one had any idea except for our family. We were praying. We were praying and we were praying. And I'll never forget, there was a young lady in our church. She had no idea what was happening. She came to Sharon, and when Sharon started attending church, she came to us. She had no idea Sharon was pregnant. And she said to Sharon, 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 I was praying for you last night. And I really felt the Lord say to me to tell you that the seed that has been planted in you is in good soil. She said, I have no idea what it means. But I just wanted you to know that the Lord is saying to you that the seed planted in you is in good soil let me tell you that gave us faith that gave us faith on the 28th of october 2013 a healthy baby joshua boy ratnaraja was born and the and the midwife gave him to me after he was born and said boy the baby's out you can't put him back have a nice life i'm out of here i was just like whoa i held this little baby and we took him home and he was a terrible sleeper i was just like oh my goodness yeah but let me tell you every time he cries in the middle of the night i never got out of bed thinking oh the baby is crying no every time he cried i said to myself there is a miracle in my house 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 I pray that our story encourages couples here tonight believing for a baby. All I can say to you is I can't tell you why you haven't had a baby so far or when it's going to happen. But all I know one thing is that he makes everything happen in his time. And my encouragement to you is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Can I get an amen? Can we give God praise one more time for that? Let me tell you, God is still doing miracles. And one of the keys to living the miraculous life is learning to live in between the miracles. That's exactly what Elisha teaches us. How to live in between miracles. Elisha teaches us how to live this kind of life. But I want you to listen very carefully for a moment. Often when God does a miracle, we get fired up. We're excited. 
We're on fire for Jesus. We're like Pastor Mark, Pastor Kathy, sign me up. I'll do anything at church. I'll, I'll serve anywhere. I'll do it because why? God's doing the miracle and we're excited. We're fired up. But the truth is that sometimes we're waiting for another miracle and nothing is happening. There's a mountain in front of us. We're like, God, where is my miracle? I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And you check. You check. And all it says is in transit. And you're like, oh. Anyone know what I'm talking about? In transit. And you're like, God, hello. Hello, come on. Come on, God. And you're like waiting, waiting. All you can see, in transit. In transit. And we come to church and Pastor Kevin's leading the song. Do it again. You're like, yes, I'm going to sing it. Do it again. Do it again. And you open your eyes and all you can see is in transit. But this time it's taking a long time and we feel like nothing has happened. We are happening. We are waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing is happening. All of a sudden the faith, the passion, the enthusiasm, once we had seems to slowly go out the window. It's disappearing. We don't want to come to church anymore. We don't want to worship God anymore. We don't want to read the Bible anymore. We don't want to pray anymore. We don't want to tell anyone else about Jesus. We start to act like God doesn't exist anymore. We start to live our lives like a helium balloon that has lost all the air out of it. We walk like a zombie Christian. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I've been there. I've done that. Why does this happen to us? We've all been down, the, we've, we've all been down this road. We have all experienced this. Why does this happen to us? Listen carefully. It happens to us because we don't know how to live in between miracles. We don't know how to live in between dreams and promises that are yet to be fulfilled. We don't know how to live when we are in, when we are in transit. So the question tonight is, how do we live in between miracles? How did Elisha do it? Very quickly, let me give you three ways, three things that we need to keep reminding ourselves when we are in the in transit phase. Here's the first thing. Number one, don't give up. Don't yeah. give up. Will you tell your neighbor, don't give up? Will you tell your neighbor on the other side, don't give up? When you're in transit, learn to live with tenacity. Live with tenacity. Elisha spent years as an apprentice to Elijah out in the desert, out of, out of the spotlight. Nobody knew he, he, who he was. He was not a celebrity or, or a well-known person. He was not a famous person. He wasn't seeing any, many miracles in his life. But then something powerful happened one day. Let's look at the story. 2 Kings 2 verses 1 to 2, 4 and 6. Let me read it to you. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a world when Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Listen to this carefully. Three times in that passage of Scripture, Elijah told Elisha, stay here, stay here. I'm going somewhere. But Elijah said, no, no, I'm going with you. 
I will not leave you. Wherever you go, I'm coming. Elijah went to Bethel. Elisha went to Bethel. Elijah went to Jericho. Elisha went to Jericho. Elijah went to Jordan. Elisha went to Jordan. The miracle was not going to happen in Bethel, but Elisha still went. The miracle was going, wasn't going to happen in Jericho, but Elisha still went. Elisha followed Elijah all the way to Jordan. What am I trying to say? What's the lesson here? Listen to this carefully. If we want to see the miracle happen, we have to have the tenacity to take the entire journey. And I love what Pastor Mark said. Don't just come on the first night and, 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 and not, not, not come for the rest of the week. I honor you. I thank you for being part of every single night you're here. You're like, God, I'm taking the entire journey. We've got to have the tenacity to complete the whole journey. Elisha didn't just stop at Bethel or in Jericho. He went all the way to Jordan. We need to do the same. We don't say, God, I went the first mile. I went, I went last Sunday, I, I did this, I did that. Isn't that enough? No, you've got to go all the way through the whole journey because that's where the miracle is. After we want the blessing, but we, are not going to, but we are not willing to go through the process. But I have learned that our God is a God of process. God's greatest goal for our lives is not our comfort. His goal for our life your life, my life, all our lives. His greatest goal is transformation. But let me tell you, transformation doesn't just happen overnight. It's, it's a lifetime process. We, sometimes we want things immediately. We want it here and now, but in heaven, it doesn't happen that way. God is a God of process. Moses had to wait 40 years. Joshua served Moses as an apprentice for many years before he saw the walls of Jericho came, came down. Peter... Followed Jesus wholeheartedly. He followed him before he denied him. Peter followed him for three years before he preached to 3,000 people. Tenacity is a part of the miracle. What does tenacity look like? Listen to this carefully. Tenacity is not you standing on the mountaintop victorious. That's not tenacity. Listen to this. Tenacity is you hanging on to hope. Even, even if it is the last thread of hope that you have and you're not giving up. Tenacity is you holding on to faith no matter what. Tenacity is being okay with things, not being perfect in every step, in every way. Tenacity is getting up and keeping on, keeping on. If you want to live in between miracles, let me tell you, don't give up. You've got to live with tenacity. It is you getting out of bed every morning and saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. I am not turning back. I am not turning back. The cross before me and the world behind me. I am following Jesus. Can I get an amen? If you believe that tonight, don't give up. Don't give up. Number two, stay expectant. Stay expectant. Everybody say, stay expectant. Live with sensitivity to the fact that there is more going around you than you realize. Can I tell you, just because God is silent doesn't mean he is inactive. He's always at work. He's always active. The best thing that you and I can do when we are waiting for our miracle is to stay active. Stay expectant. 
Elisha lived with sensitivity. He stayed expectant. It could, it could happen any day. Second Kings 2.3, the company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. They're all, some, they're all sensitive to the fact that God is going to do something that day. They were expectant. I don't know about you, but, you know, the best thing that we can bring to a church service is expectation. I don't know about you, but Mark and myself, Mark said, let's pray. And we're looking for a quiet place to, you know, pray. And, and we found the kitchen at the back of the, we shut the room and we are praying. And literally, there was an expectation. God is going to do something. Can I encourage you? Expect, bring, come to church on a Sunday with the expectation God is going to do something and I love that verse in the Bible it says I was glad when they said to me let us go to the house of the Lord it doesn't say I was mad I was grumpy I was sad I was glad can I tell you let's come into the house of the Lord with an expectation why because you never know what God is going to do you never know whose life is going to turn around you never know what chains are going to be broken? Who's going to be set free? Stay expectant. Let me tell you, I'm not talking about hype. I'm talking about an expectation. They're all sensitive to the fact that God is going to do something that day. The key to experiencing more miracles in your life is not convincing God to do what you want done in your life. The key is being more sensitive to doing what God wants to do in your life. Now, I used to always pray on the 1st of January, God, this year I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to do that. I want you to do that. I want you to do this. I tell God, I want you to do all of these things. And let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with praying those things. But this year, I prayed something completely different. I said, God, what do you want to do in my life this year? I want to be sensitive to what He wants to do in my life. How do we live with sensitivity? Be sensitive to God's actions. Always be asking God, what do you want to do right now in my life? Where do you want me to be right now? The prophets were all sensitive that day to the fact that this was Elijah's last day on earth. They all understood it. They all knew it. And Elisha knew it. Listen carefully. Sensitivity empowered Elisha's tenacity. Sensitivity empowered Elisha's Tenacity because he knew it was going to happen. So he kept on staying with Elijah that day. Elisha was sensitive to what God was going to do that day. When you're in transit, live with sensitivity. Live, stay, stay expectant. Number three, third thing, live with purity. Live with purity. Stay pure. Look what happens next in the story. Second Kings 2 verses 7 to 10. 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on, crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken from you. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Elisha had been an apprentice of Elijah. He knew what Elijah had been through. Listen to this carefully. He asked for a blessing. This anointing 
this mantle in his life because he saw it as a responsibility rather than a privilege. Sometimes we say, God, I want that blessing. I want that anointing. Sometimes you've got to ask ourselves this question. Why do I want it? Yeah. Is it about me or is it about him? Who gets the glory for it? Sometimes God does something in our lives and, and we take the glory for it. Can I tell you, never take glory for what God does in our lives. To him be the glory, blessing and honor, glory and power. It all belongs to him. Elisha had the right motivation and the purity to ask for it. After we see someone start really well, we see them rising up. They start to do great things for God. Then all of a sudden you see them lose everything. Why? Listen to this carefully. Because they didn't have the character or the purity necessary to handle the blessing. Sometimes we've said, God, I want more anointing. I want more anointing. I, I want more anointing. But let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with praying for more anointing. But we should also pray for more character. God, give me more character. Why? Because without the character, you cannot sustain that anointing. I love what David says in the book of, uh, in the book of Psalms. He says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my God, my strength. God is looking for people with clean hands and a pure heart. How do we live with purity in a polluted world? 2 Timothy 2.22 Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Write these phrases down. If you want to live with purity, then you need to, number one, run away. Everybody say, run away. I think we can do it louder than that. Run away. Then number two, run toward. And number three, run with. Run away, run toward, and run with. Let me explain what I mean by these three phrases. Here's the first one. What do I mean by run away? There are some things we've got to run away from. Run away from old ways of living in order to have purity in your life. If you want to have purity in your life, there are some relationships you need to run away Run away, 2019. Don't hang around those people. Cut those, cut those relationships that are stopping you from becoming who God wants you to be. Run away. There are some bad influences you need to run away from in order to see purity in your life. Paul says, run away and run toward. Run toward what? You run towards righteousness. Right living, faith, love, and peace. Run Run towards the kind of character that God wants in your life. The kind of person that God wants you to become. If you want purity in your life, you run away from the evil desires and you run towards righteousness, faith, love, peace. And finally, you run with people who have a pure heart. Run with people who have a pure heart. Let me tell you, it's contagious. If you hang around with people that, that have a pure heart and they want to honor God and they want to live right for God, guess what? It's contagious. You want to honor God. You want to stay pure. You want to have clean hands and a pure heart. Run with, hang around with people who also want to become more pure. You can't run alone. You need others to run with you. Why is purity such a big deal? Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter, whatever it is, 5. Blessed, it is in the, I think it is five, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, just, just checking, sorry, jet lag. Anyway, we'll blame the jet lag. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Can I tell you, purity brings clarity of vision. Purity brings clarity of vision. 
I love how the story finishes. Look what happens next. If I could ask uh, George to come and join me on the keys. Second Kings 2 verses 11 to 14. Thank you, George. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elisha's cloak that had fallen from him, went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The same miracle that Elijah had done on the way in, now Elisha does it on the way out. Can you catch what, what's happening here? Can you see what's happening here? The God of Elijah is now the God of Elisha. Elisha recognizes that God is present with him. Tonight you need to recognize that. God is with you. Maybe you're in a intransit stage in your life and you've come to church feeling discouraged and disappointed tonight. You need to make a decision. I'm going to choose to live with tenacity. I am not giving up. I'm going to choose to live with expectation to what God is saying and what God is doing in my life right now. And all of us, we need to learn, we need to make a decision to live with purity. If you're here tonight and if you're in that intransit phase, in a moment I'm going to pray for you before we anoint everyone with oil. But some of you, you need to make an intentional commitment. Tonight, you need to say, you know what, boy? I'm in that in-transit phase. And I'm saying, I'm not giving up. I'm going to stay expectant. Yeah. I am going to live with purity. Yeah. The God of Elijah. The God of Elisha. Well, every eye closed, every head bowed for a moment. I could ask the team to come and join me. If you're here tonight and you're saying, Boyd, I want that in my life. I want that in my life. I want that. I want that. I want that. I'm not giving up. I'm staying expected. And I want to live with purity. If, that's you, if that is you, would you mind just standing to your feet for a moment and will you just say, God, I'm reaching out to you right now. Holy Spirit, will you move in this place from the front to the back, left to the right. I thank you, God, for every person that is standing right now in the name of Jesus. I really believe there are people here tonight. You're in between miracles and you, you've given up. You've given up. You gave up. You gave up. But today, God is saying to you, pick that up. Pick it up. Pick it up again. Pick it up again. Keep running. Keep running. Keep running. Keep running. Will you lift your hands to the heavens for a moment? Let's worship the Lord for a moment. Everybody in this room for a moment. Will you worship Him? God, we need your presence in this place. We thank you that you are here touching every person in this house tonight. Everybody in this room tonight. Come on, let's worship Him for a moment. Thank you, sister. Lead us in that song. Waymaker. Miracle worker. Thank you, Jesus. We God, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you.